Hi. Welcome to the Selfmade podcast from LBB. This series celebrates the Indian entrepreneur. Here, we deep down into the journeys of some of the most extraordinary and inspiring people who have completely wandered off the beaten path and have created a successful brand. Today, we have with us Sakshi Sagal and Vidur Gupta, the two co-founders of Stranger Insans. Vidur started his career at a premium health food company called Eat Natural in London. He returned to India in 2016 as the managing director for Gauri's Goodies, India's first natural clean label snack food company which started in his mother's kitchen. Sakshi on the other hand, after completing her MBA from Barcelona, gained experience in the impact investing sector and thereafter worked in the infrastructure and logistics sector. However, she soon discovered that her dreams lay elsewhere and made the shift to study distilling in the Netherlands. Let's start. Gin obviously wasn't a drink of the choice for a lot of Indians and I think a great place for us to kickstart this session would be to just understand where did three of you and I understand that there is a third co-founder Rahul who isn't here with us. How did you guys sort of come together to start this uh, gin distillery wholly based out of India? Super. So I'm going to start with the name Stranger and Sons. All right. Stranger and Sons was our idea about how do we sort of represent India in a name and that sort of brings together how the three of us came together also. Strange, we think India is like a wonderfully strange place and we want to celebrate its eccentricities. You know, it's like uh, 24 different states, languages, nations, so much hustle, bustle, energy, all put into it. But it needs to be explained in like an interesting and sort of fathomable manner. Uh, and the and sons bit is basically how we came together. So it's me, my cousin, sister, Sakshi and her husband, Rahul. So technically we're a family business and therefore like Gupta and sons, Mehra and sons. Sing and Sons, Stranger and Sons. So everything uh, will have that twang to it. Um, and I think we we actually came together because we. Sakshi still live in Barcelona. I used to work and study in the UK, and Sakshi was studying there at the point. That's when the gin boom really started about five or six years ago. And we noticed there was a lot of like Indian provenance noticed in international brands, and that India and gin had like a long story, uh, you know, a history. between themselves so you know like monkey 47s first monkeys were from india or you had gins that were being made that were solely wholly solely celebrating india but were made in the uk uh, you know the gin trade has relied on india for a long time for its botanicals the gin and tonic was made in india the gimlet was sort of conceived for people traveling to india so there was so much heritage here but at the same time india was now this new country with its own identity not an identity with the raj and not an identity with uh you know with whatever india was known for for the past which is like yoga pants and you know i don't have a peacock in my backyard and no i cannot fix your computer in the night and no i don't know how to do yoga but there is a whole bunch of us that are doing very interesting new age stuff and we're building our own identity and we wanted to sort of highlight that and therefore it's a name like stranger and sons there are no colors on a you know bright color bright colors on a label it's all sort of standing on its own stead that now india can compete in premium spirits on anything else in the matter with anybody else in the world and that was basically where where the concept began sakshi so want to add anything yeah so i think i think india was always known for making you know volume and you know mass spirits in manufacturing alcohol especially there were no craft distilleries that were set set up no one was actually even distilling uh, in india so that's when we realized that okay you know look at every label over here also i have so many labels uh, gin brands 
every back label has you know botanicals that are from india names that are possibly uh, from india and that's when we 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 really liked gin because we were studying abroad we were, we were seeing the whole gin boom in barcelona and london where everybody was just going to bars and you know i want this gin paired with that tonic water and we were like wow why isn't anybody doing this in india uh, so that's when we realized okay you know let's look at how we can go about sourcing botanicals what do we need to know about this so we actually went and studied a whole course on distilling in amsterdam and uh, you know when we were studying distilling and making gin over there we were using all european botanicals but then we realized that okay now let's come back to india we found a beautiful space in goa uh, which had a spice farm right across the distillery and we went and bought you know fresh botanicals from there made our first batch of gin and it tasted completely different because of the botanicals that are sourced in india you know they they don't taste the same as european botanicals because there's so much freshness and they're very good botanicals uh, that we found in india so you know right from a pepper to coriander nutmeg everything we get just across our distillery so i think that's when we made our first batch uh, two years ago yeah two years ago and the idea again there was when we came back and we noticed this like gush of flavor and it was so different you know there was a lot of nervousness in the start with be like shit you know we just come back and studied it for however long and been working on it we learned a lot of interesting things about distilling in india which are not written in the european books but we decided to go with it we decided to highlight the fact that india has all these beautiful botanicals and even as a liquid you should be able to taste that and we should be able to make interesting cocktails with that you should be proud of that Yeah, so I think if you open our bottle, uh, I don't know how many people have tried uh, Stranger and Sanzia, but if you open the bottle, the first thing you get is a lot of citrus on the nose. So we use four different kinds of citrus peels. We get the Gondaraj from East. Uh, we get Nagpur all oranges. We have uh, Indian bergamot or Mosambi, and we have limes from Goa. So you can just get a lot of fresh citrus on the nose when you open a bottle. Uh, pour it into a gin and tonic, and you get very different spice on your mid palate uh you get the pepper you get the uh, nutmeg on your mid palate and then you have a sip and you'll feel the finish is very smooth and it has a lot of you know it has a little bit of sweetness from the cassia and the licorice so it's it you know we really tried to build a gin that was i think it was picking you know botanicals and spice and citrus notes from india and all the ingredients are sourced from uh, locally sourced right So all, all our citrus peels are nutmeg, mace, all of them except the juniper berries. The juniper berries are the only ones that we import from Macedonia. All right. Uh, since we are, we touched a little bit on the bottle and how it looks, I think uh, it uh, you know it's important to sort of discuss the two-tailed, three-eyed mythical tiger, which I think is an important part of the storytelling behind uh, Stranger Suns. Where did that come? I mean, as I was reading, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, references to the mythology and the folklores of uh, sort of India. Uh, is that sort of, was that uh, like a, a conscious decision to get into that sort of a strategy to make sure the product comes out cool? Or how did you go about uh, making sure what is it that the story, you know, that comes out when people think of Stranger and Suns? Yeah, I think it's the way you tell your story. So there's a couple of things for where you know, and I'll bring you through how we got to the three eye two tail tiger. I think one is um, Indians didn't like consuming Indian products, and we see that that is a big trend. You know, India likes emulating the West a lot, and therefore it doesn't actually create a very honest narrative for itself. It often starts borrowing its narrative from 
uh, different Western cultures. And, you know, we still look to the West a lot as a benchmark of either quality or storytelling. And let's be honest, you know, there was, I mean, there's nothing sexy about brand India. It doesn't display itself uh, in the best way. So we wanted to take sort of things that were inherent to India. We call ourselves an inherently Indian brand. And extend that in ways that somebody from Delhi and somebody from London can think are cool on the same plane. The same way if somebody drinks a Bombay Sapphire in Australia or sings a Bombay Sapphire in the UK itself, the kind of impact it has on you is the same. But not that India is an inferior brand and not to mean that our stories are inferior. The other thing is when we were looking to uh, bind India and its identity, what happened with alcohol is like nobody cares about what biscuit you eat in the morning. But the minute you ask somebody, hey, what you're drinking? You know, and say, for instance, one says red label, one says black label. As much as you want to control your head from not judging the guy, you've already be like, yeah, yeah, red label, pira, right? And that, that's this extensive need, this, this almost instant reaction that we have at the bar. And then Indians had nothing to stand. So you go to a Western bar, you're, you're drinking whiskey 90% of the time. Or if you're drinking gin, at that point, you only really had blue ribbon when, when we began. There was nothing much justifying the fact that this is the home of gin. And then how do we make everybody proud of the fact that very few distilleries like ours can be a five-minute drive away from our farmer, right? And you can get some seriously good produce. And so the, the three things that bind India together, cricket, especially when we're playing Pakistan, everybody's friends, everybody's friends for that one day. Uh, the other one which we'll touch upon is the spice box. And that's how we came to our spices, right? And the other thing also is that we all have our little myths and quirks, right? And that makes us unique. Like, your family compared to somebody else's family, we all believe in certain things. Somebody will turn around three times and, and, and you know, leave, uh, leave for the house or will do something special before they go for an exam. And we all have these stories. But one thing that they have in common, like a family business, is that they're passed down from generation to generation. So then we decided to embody this concept. We came up with our three-eyed, two-tailed tiger with one hand and one paw. And the concept is that she runs around the Western Ghats and she fights with the mongoose for her pepper and she pulls the juniper berries out of her sari blouse and she came to the three of us in a lucid dream and told us how to make the gym, right? But the interaction is funny. It's satire, right? I'm not making fun of it, but I'm laughing with it, but also expressing to you that these are ways in which Indians express stories, but it's a really fun way for a bartender to talk to a customer. It's a really fun way for us to talk to people. And it's a really fun way for us to hide behind her telling the story. Uh, and these are important things to us. Yeah. All right. So, so all of us who are here, and I think a lot of us are looking into branding and also, uh, you know, we can call ourselves uh, potential uh, entrepreneurs. I think a lot of people who have joined us, I think uh, that's a good education in how you can think about the brand and the story. It goes a long way into, uh, you know, setting up a brand. All right. So, so moving on, uh, I think uh, India honestly isn't big on gin. Right. We have been obsessed with beer. So crowd beer obviously has been in this ecosystem for some time now, but uh, mostly we have been really concerned with dark liquor. So uh, gin isn't something that uh, even though India is a huge market in terms of consumption, I believe it's the largest market in the world in terms of consumption, even though that audience is sort of, uh, you know, really less. Uh, so how do you balance, uh, you know, the two approaches uh, A is that obviously there is a there isn't much of an audience in the country who is going to drink gin. Second is obviously here, I need to have a really cool product to take to the market. Uh, so as people start consuming, uh, you know, this my product gin because this, there isn't really a great market for it. So how do you sort of balance those two approaches to have a great product that you can take to the market, knowing the fact that the market isn't huge enough for, uh, uh, you know, Indian gins especially? So I think the 
the Indian market is is yes, like you said, primarily whiskey and beer driven. Uh, it is now, but you know there are two ways of looking at this. If we didn't think that a category is going to grow, would you take the risk from a business point of view, right? We do feel the category is going to grow, and one of two obvious reasons for what I we can't get our heads around. It's a hot country, means, and whiskey is built for cold countries, right? And you're wondering why uh, when you can have a refreshing gin and tonic. Uh, people won't have, uh, you know, whiskey. With with beer categories, I think um, the Indian premium space is growing. Uh, beer categories, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, uh, answer the question for various different stratas. I think you'll have somebody from various income levels and various places. And beer is far more general. Beer has a shelf life, uh, so it's a completely different game. Whereas we are in the absolute premium segment. Uh, but our market is not only India. You see, we are available in the UK, we are available in Singapore, we are available in Thailand. We had some, I mean, COVID, COVID, but we had some more uh, growth that was scheduled. And the idea is for us to always—we are one of the only Indian bottles on some of the 50 best bars in the world. And that credibility we want to gain for India first. Um, from a market perspective, I think the premium market in India is growing. People are looking for premium products. Uh, if you can talk to the premium uh, customer properly. See, these stories or this kind of complexity can only talk to a premium consumer, right? Mass branding with what we're trying to do is, is going to get more and more difficult and our brand will have to dilute more and more, which is quite close to us. That being said, we are uh, a, a distillery house, one of India's only distilling houses and, and you know, get ready for us to be launching more brands and in, in hopefully more segments that are as exciting and come with the same kind of provenance story. So we lock ourselves between that premium and provenance space. In terms of flavor, I think gins now, especially if you try our gin, are becoming as complex as whiskey. So when we're looking at the market at the moment, we're taking away not only from the vodka drinker, but we are drinking away from the whiskey drinker as well. So the, the whiskey drinker now, basically, you know, when we first launched, you can ask actually all our uncles and aunts are just like, man, we're a Punjabi household, right? So hard, die hard, like whiskey. Um, and all our uncles were like, boss, this is my drink for the last hundred years. And now, now you can see that in the day when last time we had a gathering, everybody will have a gin and tonic. And, and it's a lighter, more refreshing drink. It makes more sense. And the complexity of flavors are there. You can get as geeky about gin as you can get about whiskey. Definitely. Uh, I think a lot of us are also sort of waking up to the idea of gin. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, you know, what Sula did with wine when it became, uh, went from highbrow drink to, you know, something that you can have on a daily basis. I think gin was also sort of getting that momentum. Uh, I think uh, next question would be something around the line of, uh, you know, how do you capture that initial momentum where, you know, the people are waking up, there is a huge segment of market, which is like uh, now starting to consume gin and starting to look at it as uh, just another thing that they want to consume during the day when they are being, uh, you know, a really uh, hot weather market. So how do you, uh, you know, uh, capture that initial momentum to uh, and sort of uh, ride that wave to success? Like, what is it that we do? Uh, you know, we have an initial momentum, you have launched a new gen and people are actually getting behind it. How, where do you go from first 100 customers, say, to the next 100,000 customers? How do how does that happen? Or how did that happen for Stranger and Sense? What was that strategy for you guys that worked? Okay, so I'm going I'm to be honest here. I think uh, we actually started out of, of frustration to in entrepreneurs sort of talk to solve a problem. Uh, we saw that there was a market gap. We saw that we couldn't make a quality gin. 
uh, we between the the two of two out of the three of us at least for sure were quite frustrated with what we were doing and we thought we literally thought our like punjabi family would consume the whole thing the the, the idea <laughs> that time was so, so we have all of us come you know from a decent business pedigree we have that advantage we do understand what it's like to run businesses on our own or be uh, you know sakshi's on an mba we, we've got we've got all the the, the right cvs um but as a time uh, you know we really didn't think uh, that this was the kind of response and growth that we would get and i think after a while what we started doing is uh, we just started answering to to people but I, i think the most important thing was to see one thing is do track market trends it's important especially in fmcg and consumer it's important to know what's trending and what trends in india and how late it comes there was obviously everybody knew that uh gin was going to come to india one thing i didn't touch upon is that gin is also really good at making cocktails and as people started going out more and restaurants started flourishing pre covid we knew that eventually drinks programs would have to start breaking through which they kind of did you know you've got the delhi scene that's exploded in terms of cocktail bars almost and you've got bombay that's not too far behind and you know smaller places opening up all over the place and eventually what happened in southeast asia would happen here um and i think those two things were important uh i think identifying the right price point you know your five p's was was important and i think what we've done one i wouldn't call us a success i don't think we're anywhere close but what we do well is is stay pretty true to us and try our best to stay original so uh at no point do we take uh we take any inspiration from a, any other brand and we we'll usually chuck it down the bin so if we can't do it on our own then we kind of don't do it but that's but that's i think uh, i think the the first 100 customers was was organic i think it's it just i think people saw it people really liked the product uh they saw that you know some of these guys were flying back from london um and very organically we didn't write about any we didn't pay for any press we it, it just seemed to have uh so i think it's a combination of being at the right place at the right time and us having a brand that really resonated with with a gap in the market at the right price and we have a very very honest product so you know we've got dutch stilling equipment we rest it for 5 weeks we get some of the best botanicals we do you do everything so be in the consumer space you know make a super honest product so you don't have to hide behind anything and make a a really exciting and honest story for people to grab it and i think the the customers will come i don't think initially you should be thinking about that yeah i think i think when we started off we didn't even when we you know we our bottle comes from italy our cork comes from portugal and when we started off and we built the whole packaging we wanted to make a premium product so we built really good packaging with it and we didn't realize what kind of demand we were going to see in fact there were there were like 3 months that we completely ran out of stock because we ordered like one container and we thought yeah okay this will be you know enough for 6 months and 2 months in we were only in bombay pune and goa and we were out of stock so i think you you have to also be prepared to be, see what the demand because when we realized that we were like okay wow we need to pick up on our production we need to ramp up on our bottle uh yeah. you know orders things like that so it was it was actually really crazy we didn't even realize that the demand was like this and put all the money we had on the second round so you know we got really nerve wracking from being like okay let's do this as a side project to hey okay, money is now stuck with stranger and sons that has to work so you know i think that kind of risk i think helped us really push ourselves i guess we didn't have an office yeah. i think we used to sit outside yeah. Yeah, at, at our place. Okay, that's fascinating. All right, so uh, 
Jin has, uh, you know, as a market, obviously, a lot of, uh, it's, it's like a bartender-led movement, you know. You go to a restaurant and you ask, hey, I want a gin. And the bartender suggests you, hey, I have XYG. So uh, was that also a strategy that played part into uh, making it to a success? Did you guys go to uh, bartenders and educated them about what Stranger in Sons is and why it is such a great gin? Or did you see that these guys are still ignoring Indian brands for some foreign liquor, foreign gin, I'm sorry. So was that, did that play a part into your going to the market and making sure that people start at least trying out Stranger in Sons? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there were times when we used to just carry bottles in our backpack and go from one bar to the other, you know, making people try this product. And, you know, now we have a great team of brand ambassadors who, uh, who put, you know, we, we work with bars very closely on cocktails that they should probably have on their menu or what kind of a gimlet or a Gibson we can, uh, we can put up. So we have, we have worked a lot with uh, bars to showcase the Indian product, but also showcase the cocktails that are with our gin. Uh, and I think I think gin is getting also slightly more varied to add to that as the category increases in size. You'll see there are sipping gins, so our gin does very well, uh, stands on its own. But one of the reasons we thought about the gin for bartenders also is because they're actually stuck on options. I don't think international or national. That we created a very varied gin, a three-dimensional gin. So a bartender could use one gin to make many drinks and not have more gins, and stranger and would become that gin. Uh, and the other thing is, I think that is changing. It's brands like ours, and you'll see other brands popping up uh, that are actually advocating for uh, you know the regional, you know, greater than Hapusa doing a great job and doing the same thing. And and that is really important because I think more and more people as they appreciate, you know, before this local for local or whatever, <laughs> that our products are good because we have great raw materials especially in food and drink and i think that's been recognized by the world over and it's about it's a matter of time at least we hope and we are spending all our energies doing that that at least indians will stop saying i want something from abroad but hey these guys make great products and i don't mind paying top dollar for an indian made product you know i think paul john and amrut at the whiskey section also have done an awesome job in our space doing stuff like that and i think the sentiment is changing Definitely. So I think the next question becomes, uh, you know, okay, so you have a great product, but how did we get to that great product? You know, there must have been tremendous rounds of uh, tasting. And what was that process like? Did you guys taste all your gins yourself or did you guys invite people from outside to do that for you? Like, how did you get to a place where like, hey, I like this. This is the product that I want to take to the market. So I think we, we first, the three of us, I think, tried over 300 gins my, my. <laughs> and we kind of shortlisted and we were like okay this is the kind of flavor profile we like or this is you know we like the citrus in this we we started picking which profile we actually liked uh yeah we were we, by 11 o'clock in the day we were we were done because we've been tasting gins from eight in eight in the morning <laughs> uh, and then yeah. when we actually started building our gin we did a lot of uh, blind tastings you know, in our house, invited people, made them try our gin against four or five other gins, um, and just basically got a lot of feedback and what people were liking about it or uh, whether they were able to identify each of those gins. I think it was really funny. We had four or five really big brands over there, and people were not even able to identify which gin was in which bottle because, you know, packaging and branding does so much uh, to their perception as well. So I, yeah, I think... Uh... I think I would like to also uh, take away a little bit of the seriousness in which the industry puts on, on this kind of stuff. 
uh, I think uh, you know we are all three of us are really passionate about food distilling, and it's not like uh, we also went how to learn distilling, but it's not like at after a point you know you can trust yourself a little bit and you say that you know we have a really good distiller on board, but between the three of us, just because of how much we were exposed ourselves, it was a hobby for a really long time. Right? Understood that flavor for very long. Understood bars for very long. You know, like between the three of us, you know, you we have priorities are different. Like we'd spend any excess money on going to a great bar, um, and that's how we even lived as college students. You know, um, so I think we had the exposure, uh, and even after the tastings, though the day before the product goes out into the market, whichever product you're launching, I mean, those are the kind of nerves that uh, really hurt. But you know, the response has been. Uh, Awesome. I didn't think we'd ever think this is the kind of response we'd get. But I think uh, kudos to you guys because I think you guys actually have a really terrific product, and I think that goes a long way to making sure that it becomes a success in the long run. All right. Okay. So moving on, I think uh, one question that all the entrepreneurs across the board are asked is funding. Where do you guys get your initial funding? How do you guys start the business? Obviously, it's not like a this is not an easy business start, right? You have to have capital to kickstart something like this, setting up this story and whatnot. This is a two-pronged question, and I think we a lot of people ask us. We are an equity-funded company. Um, mm. We have raised uh, rounds of equity capital. And that's the way we are we are looking to fund our company. But I think it's for everybody. It's it's a function of what your ambition is, how far, how large, how fast. If you can answer those four questions, um, I think the the dearth of capital available in India is not bad. You have to basically learn how to tap into it. Uh, and you have to be able to make sure that your numbers, story, and in the start, you as founders uh, are really convincing and offer decent pedigree to, even if not, but are sure convincing and know your stuff. And I think people will align behind that uh, pretty fast. Um, not like our first try was the best uh, either, uh, but both I think I've I've had some prior fundraising experience, and so is Rahul, and so is Sakshi. So I think by the Time we got to uh, this venture, we knew a couple of things on on how where the loopholes were and and where the tricks of the trade lie. Uh, and I definitely think an investee mentor at some point in your journey is an absolute must. Uh, you know, I learned a lot from mine in my last venture, and I could apply all of that here. And I think the two of them can say the same. Um, and even now, we have a big cohort of people that. Go through a consult uh, when raising funds at the right valuation for the correct dispersing. You know, too much money is also a bad thing, and too little. So you'll have a lot of funds that combust by having too much cash, um, and and all of that comes down to to your ambition completely. Uh, I don't think I can set. You know, every time somebody asks me for parameter set parameters, there are none. I think the negotiation is pretty open. Uh, it really depends on how well uh, you can get people to back your ambition. Absolutely, I think it's a balancing act uh, all the way through. All right, uh, Sakshi, you want to add something? Yeah, so I think it's also what you want to get at the end. I mean, what do you? How well you have planned your made your business plan? I think you should really be able to stand behind that, uh, know your numbers, but also where do you see your business going, and what role are you going to be playing in that? I think is very important as well. All right. So on that note, can I ask what is the vision for Stranger and Sons? So our vision is actually this is this is Third Eye Distillery. Third Eye Distillery is going to be making uh, a range of products going forward. Uh, we have a gin that is Stranger and Sons. Uh, we will be launching other products soon. 
And the idea is always to, you know, uh, keep experimenting and making new products that are exciting. Uh, of course, keeping up with the trends globally that you're seeing. So uh, we are a brand house, basically, that we are building different brands over here. The idea is that we want to be seen as the as the go-to business for premium and provenance brands coming out of India for global market. Uh, and I think, in a nutshell, that's how I think Third Eye Distillery thinks about everything it does. Uh, and that's also a very important thing uh, when it comes to your investors. Piece of advice though, all investors talk, so make sure you're prepared, more prepared than underprepared before talking to an investor because your personal brand is as important as your business brand. Okay, amazing. All right. So I think uh, moving on, um, there's another very key question that I'm sure goes to all the people who are into this, uh, you know, gin and alcohol and alcohol business is uh, what is the government challenges like, you know, what is it that it takes to set up a business in the country? I know you guys have distillery in Goa, but what is the red tape like? Was it easy for you guys to just set up the business here? Uh, or was it like a lot of red tapes and there were a lot of policies and regulations where you're going against you and where you guys are, you know, always trying to get ahead of the curve and trying to learn the new things? How was that process like? Did you guys hire outside consultants to make sure uh, you know, uh, this is how we need to go about it or something that you learned on the job and as you went about it. Um, so, uh, we had uh, one, I don't think, I think this is also a made-up thing uh, in a lot of people's head. I don't think the laws that any Indian business deals with are any higher than the rest. It's all about understanding what they are in your market. And uh, at least for the two of us having jumped around in a couple of industries now, uh, you know, every one has its own headache and it's about factoring this one into your problem and seeing whether eventually your business can make money or not. Right. So factoring, taking this as factor X, can I still come out with my outcome of the profit company in five years, right? If you're going down the investment route, which is definitely a possibility. Uh, and it again is definitely how you want to structure yourself. Uh, that being said, uh, Rahul had had some prior experience in these laws, uh, and he's pretty pretty on top of them. And he and that way, at least me and Sakshi got a crash course in it. But uh, it's nothing that's going to. Uh, if you can start a business, you can uh, you can get through these laws. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Yeah, awesome. I think I think it's like any other business. You know, I mean, you need to understand the policies. You need to understand the laws that are behind. Uh, have someone study them know what you want to get what you are applying for and i think it's as i mean i would say it's for any other business it's the same kind of uh struggle i guess for all this struggle yeah yeah absolutely i think uh that's why i said what is your suggestion for young entrepreneurs who want to enter the alcohol space space what are the top things to keep in mind i mean i think i think we touched upon this i you know what is the product who who are you targeting your price points uh keeping in mind uh, different states have different excise laws. Uh, you know, what is the price you're targeting in every state? Uh, whether you're building a product that is just for India or you're looking at exporting it, uh, make sure you have a good product and a good story behind it. Yeah, I think in for longevity uh, in the alcohol space, which globally is quite crowded, you know, your best bet is to be as original as possible, whether that's yeah. in product or in branding. Uh, and and that's a harder thing to do and a more expensive thing to do, but it's, I think, a better bet on a business instead of 
somebody going and copying a model cool all right so moving on i think uh, we are obviously in unprecedented times right covid and the post covid world is where we are all looking towards and what's going to be what is your uh, take on that you know how a the covid uh, world has affected the business and be going forward what is it that you are looking at as a silver lining okay this is going to change but i'm still in the right space at least uh, when it comes to once this you know the lockdown was obviously over but people are paranoid and things aren't getting to uh, places where they're supposed to so what is the post covid world looking like to you Yeah, I think I think a large part of our, I mean, of course, people go to bars, visit restaurants, and have a lot of, you know, that's where that's the discovery market for alcohol. You know, that's where you find a product and you want to try it. Of course, that is not going to be there at the moment, but I think home consumption is bound to increase at this point. Uh, we we're seeing that I think in Bombay, in London, Singapore, where people are just you know making cocktails, getting really good at making cocktails at home. uh we have people sending us videos all the time on social media being like you know this is the cocktail i tried with stranger and it's really exciting to see people do that at home home consumption and home entertaining um yeah that being said in percentage drops you know we we obviously in touch with the you know the entrepreneurial community uh, that we all have our networks with uh the alcohol business it suffered but it's i wouldn't say it's one of the worst uh people are uh you know need their leisure time and they are taking it at home and i don't think people are drinking any more or less like what we advocate is not about drinking more it's about drinking better and i think as people are staying at home uh, they are now looking to drink better they're saving a lot of money or you know there's a whole segment that's saving some money uh, and and they're managing to make some better options as long as they stay at home but now unlock one so i think the whole three months from now the whole conversation is going to change is my my best guess but Uh, let's be hopeful on that front. What are your plans for expansion? We have been waiting for your product in Rajasthan for a while now. Yeah, someone asked Delhi also uh, some yeah. time ago. Guys, it was COVID's fault, not my fault. Blame <laughs> <laughs> uh, game has started, guys. <laughs> But uh, Sakshi, our paperwork is basically in. Yes, yes. No. So our paperwork for Delhi, Rajasthan, uh, Karnataka uh, is all under process. Uh, you know, as soon as things. get you know offices are open again and government offices are open again we should be able to send our stock over so that's the fun fun challenge in this country yeah. right that to covid we managed to get our stock available in thailand but we still yeah. haven't to get it in delhi <laughs> and so these are some of the interesting challenges when you start moving your product from the domestic market to the international market it's interesting to to compare india and how we work against other countries but yeah i think july delhi in july we should be delhi bangalore delhi. and uh, yeah yeah waiting with bated breath definitely uh, here in delhi uh, all right um, okay so moving on uh, i think uh, one important question that i think uh, i may have missed uh, in between was what have been your key hires you know throughout this process because uh, people make the companies right so can you just shed light on how is the culture like at uh, you know Third eye distillery and people you have hired and what is that process like? Uh, I was actually funnily enough talking to one of my uh, we were talking to one of our investors who, who specializes in like Series C investments and he's like founders actually spend eighty percent of their time managing their team once they become a certain size. So I would say it's one of the biggest pain points and like one of the most important things you can do while setting up a company. And I think we've we've uh, Obviously, all three of us are very aware of that. 
uh, you know, we, and and it is important to make some uh, to get those people right. Uh, I do agree with you that it can make or break your your first round of growth, which is the most important round of growth. Yeah, I mean, also um, we really stand behind women in the industry. Uh, so we we really want to build, encourage more women to come into this industry. Uh, we have Sharnel in Goa, who's our head uh, distiller. We have Feruzan, uh, who's our head brand ambassador in Bombay. Uh, I think I think that's also, you know, that defines also the culture of the company that you're building uh, with the people you're bringing on board. Sakshi is our CEO, just yeah. why. She's my elder sister, Rahul's wife, so you can see yeah. why. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That gives me an idea about the culture of the company, definitely. And I think you guys celebrated Women's Day with a bang, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, we did. We had uh, we had women uh, from one from we had Celia from London. We had uh, Saimai from Bangkok. We flew them in. We had three or four events in Bombay uh, celebrating Women's Day. Uh, you know, just showcasing the great work that these women are doing behind the bar. That's that's amazing. And how do you guys celebrate, uh, you know, International Gin Day, which just passed? I think I was seeing a lot of stories from you guys on your handle. But, uh, yeah, we, we we're trying to do everything is you know moving online and on social media at the moment. So we when we when the lockdown started, we did two games of housey online, and now on International Women Day, I mean on International Gin Day, we were trying to you know get everybody to uh, you know everybody. do a toast toast online and you know click their glasses uh, we sent out some recipes to everybody who uh, followed uh, the the stories that we had built that day that's amazing that's amazing all right so i think uh, we are getting uh, more questions from readers we have less time so i'm going to quickly take them up and then we are going to wrap it up with the final questions that i have uh, one question from a user is how is the response to the product in other countries of the world where you guys are available there's a real thing that I think all of us have to deal with and however harsh that sounds, you know, the Indian traveler has not left the best mark on a lot of nations. Mm. Uh, and, you know, one thing we would love for people to do is to travel more responsibly. But I, I think now the story of India is, has fascinated many, many countries and that can't go anywhere. So it's that constant balance. Um, that being said, some markets like a very crowded market like the UK as a gin market, it's an uphill market, it's a credibility market, but a market like Thailand, uh, has has a lot of growth potential, um, and we we basically we we don't uh, uh, our idea is not to span our wings very fast, but it's we have slow phases of um, of growth that we want have in terms of countries that are uh, international and domestic. Uh, I think so far the way we are getting people to interact with India is really helping us, um, and so. Like the Eastern countries have definitely been more excited than the Western countries, but that's only because the West has so much noise around the category. But I think everybody, like at London Cocktail Week, we we took up this, uh, you know, really cool bar in London called the Fitz Bar. We got a policeman to stand there and Indian cops. You had an actor, you had Stranger and Son's Currency to pay him. You went behind, there was a carom room. You know, we have, we bring up our characters of Fernando, you know, we have this character called Fernando Fernandez that's, a flamboyant guy from Goa. So, I mean, like representing Indian culture, in new Indian culture, you know, his grandfather was Portuguese. He's, he's this grandson of this guy who owns this large farm. He makes, has a lot of fruits. He puts those fruits in a pickle and he makes the most interesting pickle martinis. Now, India has this whole heritage of pickling um, and we use those pickles and then we make this story and then when you come to the party, there's actually Fernando Fernandez there telling you about his pickles like an actor 
and serving you the drink. So I think it's this kind of interaction that markets love. And it's regardless of where you're coming from or whatever provenance you're showcasing, just care about your customer experience enough. Uh, and again, like I said, make it different enough where everybody's like, yeah, I, you know, I just went to four alcohol parties and now this happened. I'm very confused, but they remember. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I think uh, we have just enough time for two more questions. Okay. So do you plan to be craft or do you want to take on bigger brands like Bombay, Sapphire and uh, Tank Race of the World and Hendrix and whatnot? Uh, okay. So we don't like the word craft. Uh, we actually have a very vulgar way of describing it and I don't know if I should do it now. Please do, please do. Go ahead. <laughs> so somebody said that craft spirits are like an asshole, like everybody has one. And it's 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 a it's a it's a funny line to to I think craft has been overused a lot. Yeah. And so I you say artisanal, is that the better word to use? No, I think small batch artisanal. Small yeah. batch, yeah. Okay. I uh, think a small batch is what what defines us better. I think craft is just uh, yeah. that's just with 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 craft. But yes, the concept and I think always, uh, you know, we have gone behind premium brands. So we are taking away from larger distribution premium brands. Uh, our idea is to always, uh, you know, this is not a anymore. It's not a not a passion project it is a passion project but it is not like uh, it's a biz- it's it's a business which is which is looking to achieve some sizable growth um, and yeah so going after bombay sapphire would be a better market than than uh, than going than to staying craft i think if we had the luxury and everything went well and you know 10 years from now all of us are slightly older and we could just make awesome spirits and Hang out and not be bothered with the with the PNL. We will in an idle world. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that. All right. Yeah. So I think uh, on that note, uh, I think uh, we come to the last question, uh, which is I think it's customary for all of us to you know at to ask people for their recommendations on things that they are watching, listening, and reading. So if you guys have any personal favorites, uh, you guys can recommend anything at all. It doesn't necessarily has to be you know very intelligent. Could be fiction could be whatever okay i i only read fiction and covid has made me only read fiction because, <laughs> what are you reading <laughs> because escapism is is, is the best yeah, yeah i think i'm a bit murakami fan so i'm reading norwegian wood at the moment and i finished most of his stuff hmm. uh, i'm reading some i read these spy novels like accomplice and sympathizer hmm. uh, which is a cool, really cool vietnamese artist actually uh, author who's written it about a fantasy story about vietnamese spies um and then I'm reading a book called Sellout, which is about like black history. It's a guy called Paul Beatty. <laughs> Music-wise, I, I listen to everything except for side trance and heavy metal. <laughs> I'm constantly collecting music. So, so any podcast you guys are fan of? No. I, I don't I haven't heard any podcast recently. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay, that's <laughs> I think we've just been watching so so much Netflix. I think that's what's been happening with me. I think all <laughs> just I think watching a lot of Netflix. Uh, Reading a lot about cocktails and you know the history of cocktails. That's what I've been doing and making cocktails at home. Mm, I can see. <laughs> As you can see the back. Yeah, yeah, the bar is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. all those bottles are almost over. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Glad you can't see it. All right. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, Vidhu, you were saying something. 
No, I think the last podcast we all heard together was the one we were featured on on Olive Magazine in the UK. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was that was so cool. But most of our stuff, if it's a podcast, is all food and drink related. Like yeah, even yeah. Things, like I've watched every single food show, uh, you know, other yeah. than the final table, which I'm still watching. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Or Chef's Table. I mean, even that's amazing. Even I'm a yeah. huge fan of uh, you know. It's actually a really cool show, only on tacos. It's called Taco Stories. It's six episodes only on tacos, and I haven't geeked out more in my life. So. <laughs> I'll definitely check it. <laughs> Sounds really interesting. Yeah, I think from the last podcast that you heard, and the next one will also be the one where we are discussing this. So it will yes. live very soon on Spotify. Yeah, you uh, can take out my craft comment if you don't want to. <laughs> I will leave. that to watch your media to do that uh, if they wish they can otherwise if it, it's okay to go online i i think uh, more honest we are i think it's better on that note uh, thank you everybody for joining us uh, everybody in the audience and sakshi and vidur special thanks to you guys for joining us and making this session really cool uh, starting this uh, with some really nice cocktails that you guys prepared and made some of us really envious because we have run out of booze to be very honest and i'm really paranoid to go out and get it for myself but uh, thank you so much i hope this was fun for you and uh, yeah. anything any last words you guys want to add thank you okay all right thank you guys thank you so much bye thanks bye thanks thanks so much guys bye, bye guys bye. thanks bye. Bye. take care bye.